residents. My name is Zach Olson. I'm joined today by Mike Estefan, and thank you for downloading this month's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. I can't believe it. Today is round number 12 of the game, and Mike will need to perform today's case in real ABEM oral boards format. He has 15 minutes to complete the full case. He does not know what the case is ahead of time, and if he hits all of the critical actions, he wins. If he doesn't, or if he performs a dangerous action, I win. These cases were created by me. They're not actual ABEM cases. They're not real patients. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing all right. A little tired. How are you, Zach? I'm really excited to do this case. I have masterminded this case, so I'm very excited. That is absolutely terrifying. Yeah, you should be a little terrified. This is not the right case for you to be tired, but whatever. Let's see how you do. Let me get everything pulled up here on my phone. Okay, I'm ready to go. Mike, take out a piece of paper and a pencil. Place the paper sideways in front of you. Put the human body on the left side of it. Let me know when you're ready. I am ready. Let's do it. Dr. Estefan, this will be a single patient encounter. You will have 15 minutes to complete the case. Before we begin, do you have any questions? Mm, I do not. All right. I'm starting the timer now. Dr. Estefan, you are working at ABEM General, and a bus full of children heading to hemophilia camp with their pregnant mothers crashes, and you get a call on the radio <laughs> saying that you're going to have multiple incoming patients in Exactly 15 minutes. And just then, a young gentleman runs into triage yelling, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And he collapses to the floor in front of you and the nurse. Oh. <laughs> oh my God, you scared the crap out of me. Um, okay. Uh, I walk into the room, or the wherever he is. What do I see? He's in triage. Um, you see a, a young gentleman. And he is, he's unresponsive. He was clutching his chest. He's laying on the ground. Okay. Is he breathing spontaneously? Um, yes, he is breathing. Okay. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's get this guy to a room and get him hooked up on the monitor. Um, I would like two large bore IVs and an initial set of vitals as soon as possible. All right. Um, Two, two large bore IVs has been established. His heart rate is 145. His respiratory rate is 45. His blood pressure is 60 over 30. His O2 is 85%. On room air? On room air. Okay. Um, and do we have a temp? Um, his temperature is 98.8. Okay. Let's, uh, let's slap like four liters nasal cannula on this guy. All right, he's on four liters nasal cannula. Um, and let's let's start giving him some fluids while I try to figure out what's going on. How much fluids? Um, we'll give him a liter through each arm. All right, so two liters total. Two liters total through the IVs. Yeah. Um, is he is he talking? If I rub his chest, does he say anything? Um, he's just moaning. He's, he's pretty, he's pretty out of it. Okay. Um, let me, let me do a quick head to toe exam. Um, what are his pupils look like? Um, his pupils are normal. Okay. Um, any obvious airway obstruction in his mouth? No. Okay. Um, 
How does his lungs sound? How do his lungs sound? Um, his lungs are a little diminished sounding on the left. And his heart? Um, he has tachycardia, no murmurs. What else are you looking for? Um, I guess, is it regular? Yes. Okay. Um, does he have good pulses throughout? Uh, they're pretty, pretty thready. Thready pulses. Lovely. And his belly, soft, non-tender, non-distended? Correct. Okay. Any other obvious deformities anywhere? We cut off all his clothes. Anything out of the ordinary? Um, he has a stab wound to the left front of his chest, oozing blood. Oh, lovely. Okay. Pretty high up, kind of on the side. All right. So he, this guy has penetrating trauma to his chest. He's hypotensive tachycardic. Um, so I think the first thing I want to do is probably just stick a needle in his chest. Um and start decompressing him so i'll put um i guess a large bore needle mid clavicular line second intercostal space on the left side how big of a needle uh <laughs> let's let's go with like an 18 gauge or no no no, no. i don't know 14 gauge biggest thing we got all right you put the biggest needle you got you get a little loose of air okay cool um i'm um well, okay i should start from the top so abcs so is he able to mentate anything is he able to speak his name i mean he's he's pretty out of it he's but he's moaning and he kind of responds to pain he's you know says Ugh. yeah he stabbed me i didn't tell you that when i walked into triage shoot forgot to mention I got words. I got words. Airway yeah. intact. Airway intact. All right. Great. <laughs> um, and I already, lis- I already listened to his lungs. He has diminished sounds on the left, but he did have bilateral breath sounds. Um, however, obvious concern, at least initially, would be for like a tension pneumo. Um, he has penetrating trauma to the left side of his chest. So let's do a left-sided chest- surgical chest tube as well, now that we've needle decompressed him. Um, sure. Uh, describe the procedure. Um, all right. So we are, I'm going to go like right under, I guess, slightly lateral to his left nipple. I'm going to make an incision. Um, I am going to dissect with hemostats down to the rib. Um, I'm going to walk just over the rib and I'm going to poke through uh, his, uh, the chest wall essentially with the hemostats does any blood come out does any air come out um you pop you get uh air air okay how cool. big of an incision um, and where did you incise you said just lateral how far lateral um i would say anterior axillary line uh, maybe two centimeters um and again like right under the left nipple anterior axillary line um okay and then i'm going to keep my finger in that hole i'm going to load a um a large board chest tube onto the hemostat and i'm going to push it through and i'm going to aim it superiorly for um a non-hemothorax a uh, 
a pneumothorax. How far in do you put it? Uh, I, I'm just going to shove that sucker in there until I meet resistance. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you shove it in. And yeah, okay. sounds good. All right. Any blood coming out? And then I hook it up to the Pleurovac and all that fun stuff and put it in place. All right, describe that. I'm just kidding. No, uh, okay, so it's hooked up to the Pleurovac. Um, you get some fogging in the tube. There's no blood. Okay, cool. Um, let's recheck all his vital signs. Okay. Um, his heart rate is now uh, 99. His respiratory rate's 18. His blood pressure is 120 over 80. His O2 saturation's uh, 98% on 4 liters nasal cannula. Okay, great. Um Okay, we should check a glucose on this guy. We should uh, um, get an EKG, do a chest x-ray as well, um, send a rainbow on this guy, including pre-op labs. Um, and actually, I would like to do a bedside ultrasound as well at this point. Um, if I put the cardiac probe on his heart, do I see a pericardial effusion? Um, describe what you would see. Uh the heart surrounded by an anechoic ring that would be a fluid <laughs> an effusion okay um no you don't see an effusion okay great um and then looking just to kind of confirm because i imagine x-ray is going to take a little time do i see lung sliding on the left um yes you see lung sliding now on the left Yay. Okay. And then on the right? Uh, yes. Okay. All right. Let's finish um, our survey. So, because he is now stabilized. He had good pulses. So that was my C. Um, we re removed all his clothing, and that's when we saw the stab wound. Um, is he moving all four extremities? Yes. Okay. Any step-offs on his back? No. Any uh, good rectal tone? Um, yes, he has rectal tone. Good. Okay, we removed all his clothing. Um, the knife is still in place, yeah? Say that again? The knife is still in his chest, yeah? Uh, no, he was just, it was just, no. He's holding it in his hand. No. no. It was, oh. they found it in triage. Yeah, no more knife. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, so I guess I'll... Um, let's call surgery, and I will start my secondary survey while they're coming down. Uh, trauma surge. All right, surgery is coming down. Uh, your finger stick blood glucose was one ten. Rest of the blood work, EKG, X-ray, uh, normal. The X-ray shows a a well placed chest tube. Yay. Um, okay. Uh, so secondary survey, head to toe. Any signs of trauma on his head? No. No, like, uh, raccoon eyes, no, no. battle sign, nope. nothing like that. His nope. TMs look good. No hemotympanum. Correct. Great. Um, his pupils, you said, were equal and reactive, correct? Yes. Any oropharynx trauma? No. Any nasal septal hematomas or anything like that? No. Okay. Any depressed skull fractures? No. All right, I press all over his chest wall, his clavicles, anything concerning for a rib fracture or a flail chest or anything like that. Nope. 
Okay. Um, his belly. I press on this belly. Um, non-tender, non-distended, no masses. Great. Um, I press on all the bones of all of his extremities. Non-tender, normal. Nope. Great. Um, any other superficial wounds that I am seeing on him on his anterior side? Just the chest wound. Okay, and then we roll him over um, again, looking under his axilla, looking in his perineum, looking everywhere. Do I see anything? No. Okay, and he had good pulses throughout, correct? Correct. We we established that, and he's moving all his extremities. How's the strength in his upper and lower extremities? Normal, strong. Great. Okay. Um, let's, uh, uh, let's pressure's fine. I guess we could probably give this guy, like, a unit of blood while we wait for surgery, but um, I guess that's not the most dire thing right now. Uh, so do you want to transfuse him blood? Um, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Let's okay. do it. The nurse wants to know why. Um, he was stabbed. Well, uh, no, that's a good point. Actually, we'll hold off until his uh, labs come back. Smart nurse. So you're not going to give blood? Yeah. To the guy I'll that hold- was just stabbed in the chest? <laughs> I don't know. Just, I just want to be clear. I don't know. Um, you know what? We probably should. He's going to go to the OR, probably. Maybe. Let's give him blood. Let's okay. give him a unit. Again, the nurse wants to know why. <laughs> we, will <laughs> we will give him a unit of blood because he just got stabbed in the chest. Okay. He wasn't bleeding that bad. I mean, he's just kind of oozing. But whatever. All right. You're transfusing blood. Okay. You want trauma blood or do you want to cross match it? We can just give him a unit of O positive. A unit of O positive. Okay. All right. All right. And is surgery coming down? Yep. Yep. They're down there right now. What's up? Cool. Hey, um, we had, oh shoot. Um, actually, can I talk to the patient before I talk to surgery? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) The patient's mentating now. Yes. Oh, great. What happened, buddy? <laughs> Dude, I was coming in because I, I had some toe fungus and some, some asshole out in tree. Just stabbed me. <laughs> just stabbed me. Oh, Can't believe it. I, that's, that's hard. I'm I was trying sorry. to beat the bus. Who's going to be here anytime in about 55 seconds, by the way? A um, couple questions real quick before we get you admitted to the hospital. Do you have any allergies to medications? No. Uh, do you take any meds? No. Uh, any medical problems? No. Ever have surgery? No. When was the last time you ate? Um, last night. Last <clears throat> night. Cool. All right. Hi, surgery. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> hey, uh, we have a guy in his mid-20s here. He was uh, stabbed in the left side of his chest. Um, came in with very unstable vitals. Probably a tension pneumo based on... Um, how much improved his vitals were after we needle decompressed him and put in a left-sided chest tube. Um, There was no pericardial effusion on ultrasound. The rest of his secondary survey was negative, uh, aside from the left-sided stab wound. Um, He has a large bore surgical chest tube in the left side hooked up to a pleurovac that took out some air. There's no massive hemothorax. 
Um, we <laughs> gave him a unit of blood because he got stabbed in the chest, but apparently he didn't lose too much blood, so I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, his hemoglobin is fine when that comes back. But um, uh, His he... hemoglobin was normal. The nurse okay. wanted to clarify before she starts the, the blood. The hemoglobin, the CBC was completely normal. Okay, well, whatever. No harm, no foul. So do you want the blood? No. <laughs> so now you don't want the blood for the guy that was stabbed in the chest. <laughs> I do not want the blood. So everyone's the all was... totally confused now. <laughs> They're like, where is the attending? Are we giving the guy blood or not? No, no blood. No blood now. Okay. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. We'll just okay. save it for, you know, I don't know if someone gets stabbed in the chest twice. Yeah. Okay, then I guess. The next the next mail that comes in for some O positive. What? Yeah, whatever, whatever, yeah, the next person that's O positive or whatever the actual indications are for blood transfusion. <laughs> Definitely not hemoglobin, less less than seven. Uh. Zoom. All right, that ends your case. I'm going to stop messing with you now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> Pleasure as always. Oh. All right. How'd you think it went? <laughs> uh, it, it, honestly, it couldn't have gone worse than doing a lateral canthotomy on somebody. So, <laughs> really, think you think it. it went worse? You think it was? It wasn't as bad as doing the lateral canthotomy on the glaucoma. That's, a, that's what I was saying. That's it. Couldn't have gone worse than that. No. Yeah, it wasn't as bad as that, and it wasn't as bad <laughs> as when you killed the cardiac arrest, whatever, by giving him nitro and aspirin, even though he was had every. <laughs> Yeah, anaphylaxis and everything. Interesting. Well, I thought. I, so you think it went badly? No, I mean, I, I think I identified what was going on um, relatively quickly. I think if I were to redo everything, um, you know, someone that comes in with undifferentiated shock, the first thing I would do is walk into the room with the ultrasound and put the probe on their chest. I mean, granted, at that point, I would probably have noticed the giant stab wound in his chest and realized what was going on, um, but I probably ideally would have had ultrasound involved earlier, but other than that, I think it went okay. Okay, okay. Um, so did this guy need blood or didn't he need blood? <laughs> I don't think he did. You don't think he needed blood? Based no. off of his normal hemoglobin and his resolve shock and his stable vitals... And yes. then no blood in the no bleeding anywhere. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Probably a good call on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you did really well, actually. You were like 10 minutes ahead of schedule. You were all over it. Um, one of the goals that I had and the reason I made the case this way is because I wanted to demonstrate some of the difficulties of not being able to visualize an exam. I guess was what I was trying to like kind of go for without like the normal visual cues and it's all auto, you know what I mean? So I was trying to uh -huh. like, obviously a guy gets stabbed in the chest, he's got blood, but I was trying to kind of make it so you had to articulate it before you would see that. That's what I was trying to do. I don't know how well it worked. You still got it. But um, on, when you take the exam and it's all verbal and you don't have like a sim mock, you know, mannequin or patient in front of you or anything, it, that type of stuff can throw you off pretty easily. The examination. But you did a good okay. job doing your examination and saying, do I see anything else? So you got it. Um, but that was one of the reasons I made this. That was one of my, like, learning points. Another reason I did this is because this is the first time that I've made you had 
to like articulate the procedure. I might've made you do it with a intubation once. I can't remember, but when you do a procedure, especially if it's a core procedure for the case. So like this would be a good example, or if you end mm -hmm. up having to do a lateral canthotomy for some reason, right. Um, making you articulate all the steps to that is something that they're going to make you do to make sure you, you understand the procedure and you'll need to know everything about it. Like what type of scalpel and where you're, you know, you can't just say lateral to the nipple. You'll have to say anterior axillary line or mid axillary line or wherever you, you choose to go. Okay. Um, and then, so that was, that was part of this. And then I, I think at the end, it kind of worked out nicely because it was a good example too of you finished the case in like seven minutes and then kind of how awkward it feels when you actually do really well on a case. And then you're like, um, and then you're checking everything and you're like double checking the rectal tone and, you know, wait, did we check the rectal, <laughs> let's do the rectal tone again. It's still good. Uh, you know, and kind of that like feeling that kind of scrambling of it. What else am I, am I missing? Which mm -hmm. is a good thing because what you don't want to do is just finish your case when there's a second injury, right? So that's the real blunder is you just, you're like, oh, they got stabbed in the chest and you missed the whatever, right? This, the real problem they came into the emergency department for their broken leg or, or whatever. So that's yeah. the real blunder. But then I also wanted to show you kind of how it gets uncomfortable when you're done and you're actually done a little bit early where you can't just say, all right, I'm going to call surgery and admit them, right? And so you still took the 15 minutes in the last six minutes. You actually almost made a mistake by transfusing blood. This guy definitely did not need blood. Um, <laughs> I was just messing with you, you know, but, he, <laughs> <laughs> but like you almost made a mistake cause you just felt like you had to do more. And sometimes you are just going to get it. And the right thing to do is admit them. So it's a very tricky on test day. And now imagine, you know, you get to the end of the case and you don't find out whether you should have given blood or not, or if you missed anything and you don't get to find out for three months. So that's what a, the test is actually like, right? And you get to sit there and be like, damn, should I transfuse the blood or not? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, what was the extra eight minutes for? Like, was I going to give them a blood and then they're going to have a trans, you know, a reaction to the blood. And I just missed that whole, you know, that kind of thing. So then you freak out. Um, I thought you did good. You definitely passed the case. Critical actions were giving supplemental oxygen when they arrived, identify, uh, identifying like the trauma, the pneumothorax without having to get the x-ray to do so, which you definitely did. What are other things you could have looked for on exam to identify uh, tension pneumothorax that you didn't articulate? So obviously absent breath sounds or diminished breath sounds, which is what I did. Um, I'm not sure if you can see like tracheal deviation on exam. I know that's like... Like, if you get an x-ray with tracheal deviation, you're like, oh, shit. Um, and then just based on vitals and mechanism, I guess. I think I potentially, like, JVD, too. Kind of like what you would see with any sort of obstructive shape. Uh, um, yeah. Okay. And so you can articulate that. I mean, you can say, do I see tracheal deviation or, you know, JVD or anything? I think you'd get a little, maybe a few extra small points for exam. Certainly by not asking that, I don't think you would have failed or anything. Um, but just, you know, a couple bonus points here or there are helpful. Um, so identify, identifying the pneumothorax prior to the x-ray, you did that. You did a needle thoracostomy, you did a tube thoracostomy, and described both those procedures. So you definitely passed this case. So you did good. Um, giving unnecessary blood uh, maybe could have been bad. I, I don't know if they would have considered it a dangerous action or not. Certainly an unnecessary action, potentially dangerous. So just be careful, you know, if – oh, this is another thing. So if you ever are doing, like, a practice case – um, with your at your residency or on the exam if they're sometimes the examiner is generous and they'll have the nurse clarify things you know like are you sure you want to give a thousand units of insulin you know and <laughs> like 
you're like, uh, let's see, are they uh, like a massive beta blocker overdose? Like, no, I guess I shouldn't give a thousand, you know, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, so sometimes they're generous and listening to that kind of stuff. Sometimes the examiner's like, uh, you're doing good. Like, slow down, buddy. Like, just, are you sure you want to do that? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> like, you just like completely knocked out the case. Don't ruin this. Like, Don't ruin this. Yeah. Just, just, just quit while you're ahead. So. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I thought you did good. Um, you definitely got all the critical actions. You would have passed this case. Uh, you might've, the, the blood thing got a little dicey at the end. So just kind of, um, make sure that you finish strong. Um, any other thoughts that you have on this? Um, no, just to like echo how hard it is to make that decision when you don't have the patient in front of you. Like in my mind, every stab wound to the chest, every chest tube I put in, like, these patients have needed a crap load of blood. And so that's, that's like my N equals three experience. N equals two or N equals three is seeing these people like exsanguating basically. And so it's like so hard to, you know, verbalize what they look like and just not rely 100% on prior experiences. Cause I'm like, this guy probably needs blood, but he actually wasn't bleeding that much. So. Right, because and then because you reach out your vitals and then he was fine, so you don't know he could have been stabbed with a. You see, I mean, you've seen all this stuff just because, you know, someone could get gotten stabbed with like a machete, right? And they have all this vascular injury and stuff. They could have gotten stabbed with like a pen. Like you see it all, and they yeah. just end up in fast track because it's be you know it's stupid and they get a fast track X ray and they actually have a you know whatever. So it's it, it's hard to not fall back on like kind of what you're your initial like visual imagination is of it. You're saying it exactly right. It's so true. It's just really hard to kind of step back from that and do it all verbally. For sure. Yep. Agreed. It's, and that was kind of, that was a, the thing of this case too. Again, Oh, I can't breathe and clutching his chest. I'm like, I hope he goes down the EKG, you know, stabbing. <laughs> but you were all over it. You had him undressed and everything. Cause he was in shock. So, Anyways, very good. How's residency going? Are you you're are you officially a second year resident now? I am officially no longer an intern. You are officially no longer an intern. Yeah, it's bizarre, how, how, dude. How's it feel? It feels horrible. <laughs> it is just, I mean, it, it's like great, but at the same, it's great. You know, it's, and everyone will say this every time, like. You go through your intern year and you still feel dumb as a rock. And then you see the new interns and you're like, oh, yeah, I used to be like that. Like, I've actually learned a lot. So that's really cool. But at the same time, the added responsibility, especially on the shifts where it's just going to be me and like a brand new intern, like the responsibility of trying to hold that side of the department is going to be terrifying. Um but aside from that, uh, now as second years, we get to rotate at the community hospital um, in our system, which I already had a shift there, and that was a blast and a totally different experience. Um, yeah, man. And, <laughs> yeah, I am looking forward to more of those shifts, for sure. Yeah, I love community medicine. So your interns have started. You've worked with them. Like, you've had a shift with them. Yeah, so I uh, I had one shift. It was my last intern shift where I worked overnight. And then I signed out to one of the new interns coming on. Um, now, the interns don't work at this community hospital, and that's where all my shifts since then have been. Um, but n 
I guess later this week, I'll be back at our main Center City Hospital where uh, they're all working now. And that's when I'll have shifts with them um, on my side. So it'll be what fun. Do you, what do you like about the community medicine or why are you having so much fun with that? Oh, it's just it's just so different. Like, you know, you you have to come up with I mean, not necessarily like this didn't happen in my one or two shifts there but you don't have all the resources at your disposable you don't have like neuro ophthalmology you can consult 24 7 you know like if someone comes in with like testicular torsion like yeah you transfer them but you attempt to reduce it yourself you don't have urology you can just call um and in general at least compared to our main academic hospital the patients are much sicker they don't have doctors that they see they come in with undifferentiated shock like all the time i've heard how sick the patients at this hospital can be and i got a good taste of it on my first day there um and not to mention at least for us we're the only there's only one resident at a time there um who are working and there there are more attendings um to pick up the slack and so that allows us to be able to pick up and take care of only the sickest patients as opposed to um, at our other site where it's more so we're moving the department and, um, you know, going for volume instead of acuity. So just a totally different ball game. And um, yeah, I think I hopefully one day will, I don't know, I like, I like academics, but I think I want to do community medicine. This is just my first taste of that. So Ah, you're my guy. See, I love community medicine. And you know this. I work at a series of four community hospitals myself, and I love it, Mm -hmm. right? So one of them is like an inner city or community hospital, um, kind of in an inner city neighborhood, uh, do a lot of charity care, things like that. A lot of people Mm -hmm. coming in with the toe fungus, but they don't have a doctor and they, you know bless their hearts right (laughs) this is an emergency to them and then we have one that's again it's almost it feels i didn't train like i think you know county or whatever county is it's just a a very busy just it's a crazy department like it's just insane working there and you do have some backup like you have surgery um we have ortho and we have people on call so like we do have urology and stuff on call they're not in-house necessarily though and so it, yeah. And that, and you, the craziest cases, like it's just unbelievable. Like you it just couldn't have better training for a yard residency than working at a hospital like that. And then we have one that's kind of more suburbia again, very busy, lots of sick people, um, more insured, kind of a different personality of the patients. And then we have one that's pretty rural and that's interesting for other reasons. Right. Cause now you have patients who not only do you have to transfer them for urology you have to transfer them like, 45 minutes, <laughs> right? Yeah. So now you got someone who's having sinus pauses on the monitor and they're intermittent, you know, and they're like, oh, that was asystole. Uh, can I send that? Like, should I send that? Do I need <laughs> something? Do I need a floating pacer? I don't know. And so you get, it's just, I love community emergency medicine. I love it. And so I think you're on the right track, man. But whatever, <laughs> enjoy it. See what you like because it's a different feel. And I think it depends. It's a little – each hospital's personality is different too because I don't want to say all community hospitals are like this, all academic hospitals are like this. But I, I imagine that first year out of residency or first 
years out of residency now, being an attending at an academic center, I would be able to have a lot of the weight carried by like the residents with me. And that would have taken a lot of weight off of me. Whereas now in a community setting and I'm responsible for the whole department and it's, it's just a little bit different when, when you don't have anyone that you can pass it off to, like it's just all you. And so you get 15 patients at once and you're like, ah, I guess, who do I see first? You know, <laughs> we'll go with the, uh, that one, you know, and you just kind of start picking and going. So it's, it, that's a little bit different of a feel too, not being able to have, residents and stuff move the meat for you because you have to write a longer chart then you have to do all of the check all of the boxes and do all the things and put all the orders yourself and all of that all the re-examinations you have to document yourself so um it's it's i i like community emergency medicine i but i don't i yeah that's my opinion but anyways have <laughs> a good have a good month in community emergency medicine or do you just like intermittently rotate there or is it like a rotation so right now we're, um, this is like our quote unquote orientation week and a half. Um, so we all get a couple shifts at the community site. Um, I just had one a couple days ago. I have another one uh, two days from now. And then for the most part, we just have a dedicated month there. We actually have a dedicated month at two, actually three different community hospitals. And they're all like slightly different kind of in the sense how you were describing how you work at four different community hospitals and they each have their own flavor. Um, like one is an inner city community hospital. One is like a rich suburbia community hospital. And the other is like a trauma center community hospital kind of thing. Um, so we get one month at each of those sites throughout the year. And the rest of our ED shifts are at the main academic center. Yeah, and I'm sure those attendings love having a, a resident with them, too. It's just a completely different when you got someone else to go to battle with, and especially when it's like a second year. That's when we get our residents, too, with their second years. And you're, it's just okay. it's completely different. You're like, if things get hairy, you're like, all right, it's time to roll. <laughs> you know, you see these ones. I'll see these ones. You let me know if you need help. I'll circle back in 30 minutes, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And break. <laughs> it's awesome <laughs> to have a resident, but... Anyways, all right. Well, that wraps it up, everybody. Um, send us emails, Zach at emclerkship.com, Mike at emclerkship.com. We like hearing from you. Um, I, I feel like I get a lot of emails that are, like, meant for Mike. So Mike has his own email, M-I-K-E at emclerkship.com. Ask him how residency's going. He's he's a nice guy. He's responsive. So, um, But that wraps up uh, this episode. So um, until next month, keep working hard. Keep studying and be sure to enjoy your shift.